need to know the Lord. And so that's why we're here at Grace Point Church, uh, to, to be people who share Christ with others. Uh, this past Friday, we had our first ever Operation Christmas Child uh, box packing party and chili cook-off. And so, uh, just to, so these are 56 that we've done over the year. So we've been every month collecting stuff. People have been giving the stuff, and we went ahead and packed them. But, uh, what's it say, the 24th. So there's more boxes out there, and we would love to see everybody as a family, take a couple as a family, and, and fill them out fill them up yourselves, okay, so that we can you know, double that if we can and get the message out to those in the world around us that may not have the privilege that we have uh, to hear about who Jesus Christ is. And truly, um, and again, I don't know if we all really catch this, but what it truly means to know that the God of this universe cares about us so much so that He died for us, forgives us of our sins, and then takes all of the stuff that our life was, and what the Bible uses a big word called redeem, but we get it, you know, redeeming coupons, and he, he redeems our past and uses them in order to draw other people to Christ because we can identify with people who are going through difficult times. And, um, and that's why we have the difficult times in our lives as well because God wants to use them. He wants to show himself to us and then he wants to show himself through us to others. And so it's time to get involved in that. Um, so just a, a little, you know, Grace Point people. There's two on the far left here. These are Fremont people. They're from the Fremont campus. They came up here and they won the competition. Whoa! Fremont. So I love Ed Spriggs. Ed Spriggs uh, won. Tim Havis, which is actually Justin's dad, took second. Trina! Trina Wolf took third, and then Kim Belcher took the People's Choice Award. So uh, we think that maybe Ed and Tim paid Hagen off. Hagen was the official judge. Not sure, I'm not sure why just Hagen was, because then he had like six bowls, and he was, or seven bowls, however many they were. And anyways, I don't know how I slept that night, but um, anyway, so good time. We had a fun time, and we're going to do it again next year, so hopefully uh, more of you guys can show up for that. Well, today, Celebration Sunday, we're going to celebrate with some people who have uh, placed their faith in Jesus Christ and received from God His forgiveness and a restored relationship with Him. That's what God wants to do. That's why He has us here. And so we're going to do that today and next week. This week we're going to do it at the end of the service. Next week we'll do it at the beginning of the service. And as the video announcements also said, we're going to be doing uh, honoring the veterans as well. So if you're a veteran, um, come prepared to stand up. I, I know, I know it's scary to stand up in front of people, but right where you're going to sit, we're going to have you stand. And if you know of somebody who's a veteran, a uh, family member, a friend, neighbor, uh, invite them to come because we'd like to honor them as well. So next week, a bunch of stuff going on as well. We'll go ahead and turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. It's page 1098 if you're using the Bible there in the chairs. Um, page 1098. So we thought that uh, we're kind of in between series. We're going to be starting a new series called Ma uh, 7, which is out of Matthew 7 next, next week. But we thought maybe it would be a good thing uh, to be reminded of what baptism is all about. Um, because depending on who you talk to, well, you'll get a different definition of what baptism 
is. Uh, and so we're going to look at Acts chapter 8 as kind of our jumping off point for that. Uh, but also there's something in these verses that I thought would be really good for us to be reminded of um, about Christianity in general. So I want to, we'll read through the passage and then I want to talk a little bit, just a re- real quick reminder about just something about Christianity in general and then get into baptism as well. So as usual, we have it up on the big screen as well. And then I've been reading it off the big screen, but you can test to make sure I got it right by reading the Bible. So, so it says this, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. So this is the, this is the money man of this nation that was run by this uh, queen, Candace, down in Africa. So again, there's this guy from Africa who's in Jerusalem traveling back down to Africa. He's a, he's a powerful dude. I mean, he runs all the money in that kingdom. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. All right, kind of a cool thing. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, I could, uh, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So I mean, if you can kind of picture this, if you've got a cartoon mind, here comes Philip running up because it's a chariot. It's pulled by horses, right? So he runs up. He, he knows what he's hearing is from the Bible and the Old Testament. And so he's thinking, well, I'll ask the guy if he knows what he's reading. So now the passage of Scripture which was, uh, he was reading was this, out of Isaiah 53. That's, I added those in there. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does a prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Now we know, now we know he's talking about Jesus Christ, right? But at the time, you know, they're not really, he's not really sure what's going on here. Who is this person? So then Philip opened his mouth. So sometimes we have to speak to share the gospel. <laughs> you know, just, well, rough day today for you guys, huh? Wow, okay. Uh, Come on, people, wake up. So then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, from Isaiah 53, 7 and 8, they didn't have verse and, you know, chapter and verse back then, it was in a scroll. But starting from there, it's kind of cool, he preached Jesus to him. So he showed where Jesus was all throughout the rest of the Old Testament until the fact that Jesus had come by this point and had died on the cross and he had risen from the dead. So this guy got the whole gospel message As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? So Philip Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, which is kind of an interesting term there. It sounds like, 
I know we don't, you know, we talk about um, teleporting. So there's, you know, the word snatched means like taken away, which is kind of interesting. You can study it out yourself. Uh, but the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. So we're introduced to a guy named Philip. Now, Philip is just a regular guy. He's not an apostle. Uh, he's just a guy who has placed his faith in Jesus Christ and was in the area called Samaria. Now, we talked about Samaria um, back in our last series, John chapter 4. The Jews uh, hated Samaritans. They, they, there was nobody lower on this earth than Samaritans. But Jesus went to the Samaritans, and Jesus shared with them about who he was, and a bunch of people turned to him in faith. And then those other Jews who had turned to Christ in faith, they then went up to the Samaria as well, Philip, and he started sharing about Jesus Christ and what God had done, to them, done for them through Christ. And so it was successful. You can read it. It's the beginning of Acts chapter 8. Very successful. But then God sends an angel to him and says, hey, listen, I need you to meet up with somebody, one person. And it's a guy who's heading back down to Africa. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. Look for him. He's in a chariot. And I want you to connect with him. And of course, Philip knew what the connection was supposed to be about, and that is to know about who Christ is. But So here's a, just really quickly, here's something I think we always have to remember about Christianity. And that's this. That Christianity is for all cultures. It's for all people. Okay, And I say that because there are a lot of people today, especially, who would say, well, Christianity is just a, um, you know, a white European-based religion that is about oppressing people and forcing themselves on people, and it's, it's, not, you know, it's not even legitimate because of that. But we, we notice from Scripture, from this story, that it's, it's more than that. And, I mean, I get it. Jesus left, and um, you know, about... The, 300, a little 313 or so, Constantine, the Roman emperor, he legalizes Christianity, makes it the state religion of Rome. And, and so then we have this um, move of, of men getting in there and, and forming this religion that they call Christianity that has done some deplorable things, some terrible things over the years. But that's because man got his hands on it. It's not what Jesus had in mind. It's not what his disciples, the apostles, had in mind. It's not what they were developing and what he wanted developed. It's what happened when man got a hold of it. And so the, the Christians in the first and third centuries, they were going outside of Jerusalem. They were going to all the known areas and even beyond. So we know they went to Europe. We see that a lot in the book of Acts. But they went to the Near East, they went to the Far East, and they went down into Africa. In fact, the eunuch the Ethiopian eunuch he was one of the people who brought the gospel to Africa. And so I was thinking about this, and I, I found this graph where I thought was kind of interesting, Pew Research. So this is a geographic distribution of religious groups. So up on the top graph, you have the overall global population and where they live. So this darker colored is Asia Pacific. So the Asia Pacific region of the world, almost 60% of the people of the world live. That's a... That's a lot of people, right? Then you have the sub-Saharan, is that other color there, 12%. That would be South Africa, Southern Africa. Uh, Europe, and that has about 11%. Um, Latin America, 
9%, basically. North America, 5%. And the Middle East, North Africa, that region, 4.9%. And then they, they gave all the different religions, the big ones, and then some other folk religionists and other religions, kind of compilations of all kind of smaller religions, uh, indigenous, um, like, um, you know, the American Indians, you know, they had their own religion that was kind of globbed in there, that type of thing. But, so the, the largest, so Hindus, for instance, the largest number of Hindus live in the Asia-Pacific area. So in other words, they're, they're not really diverse. You know, they haven't get, gotten out there and brought in other cultures. They, they kind of do their own thing there in the Asia-Pacific area. Buddhists, the same thing. Folk religion, other religions, very uh, spiritual areas, spiritists areas, uh, areas uh, believe in demons and, and worship all sorts of different um, gods and nature and all that kind of stuff. All that in the Asia-Pacific, primarily. Then you have the Muslims, which they're predominantly in the Asia-Pacific area, which is, is, might be a little bit of like, oh, you know, it's interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, and then like in, where am I at here? So, and then the other larger portion would be Middle East and North Africa, and then also in Sub-Saharan Africa. But look at Christians. <laughs> look how evenly divided they are. That's the point of the, the chart. When people say that Christianity is just a, a white European religion, um, you know, well, no, not really. I mean, it, it actually did what Jesus wanted it to do. And it spread out pretty evenly throughout all different regions and areas of the world. And so, again, if people are, if you've talked to people and they're saying, you know, saying that about Christianity, um, the honest answer is no, it's not. It's, it's very inclusive. It, it hits all regions, all cultures. It, it works in all cultures. The, the cool thing, what it does, though, is it brings um, equality between men and women. It brings um, um, the value of man. That, and by man, I mean mankind. That, that humans are special creations of God, and therefore we have value. And so we bring into those situations, um, you know, fighting against abortion and fighting against abuses, like I said, making sure that men and women are equal. And so Christianity brings a lot of good stuff to different cultures that I think everybody would be okay with. There is one thing, though, that is exclusive about Christianity, and that is Jesus Christ. And so around here we say uh, Christ and Christ alone. So when we talk about having faith in Christ, when we talk about having a right relationship with God, we say Christ and Christ alone. Why is that? Well, because the Bible teaches that. Look what it says in Titus. Paul's writing to one of his apprentices, a young pastor. He says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, that's Jesus Christ, so I'm adding these in, kind of get a little bit of clarification. So Jesus Christ, God the Son, is God's kindness to us, His demonstration of love to us. He saved us. So we didn't save ourselves. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, good deeds, but according to what? His mercy. By the washing of... There's some big words here. So you can impress your friends and family with these, okay? So, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified, which means God saying and declaring not guilty of your sins. Alright, that's what the word justified means. 
being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In other words, we would be made heirs, children of God, able to go to heaven one day. So there's nothing we can do. We'll talk about this a little bit uh, more a little bit later, but there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from our sin. And so, left to ourselves, because of our sin, God's a righteous God. He can't have sin in His presence. Sin must be judged, which we get, right? If somebody were to hurt our family, I mean, think about this. If, if somebody were to hurt our family, and they, they went before a judge, and the judge is like, ah, that's all right, don't worry about it. We would be ticked. Am I right? You don't, nobody messes with my family, and the judge, if, if they're standing before a judge, the judge better do something about it. Well, we want that for other people, but when it comes to us, you know, man, no, we want the judge who says, ah, nah, yeah, you're good to go. Problem is, we've all sinned. We're all, we all are separated from God. And so that sin has to be taken care of. It has to be removed. We can't do it of ourselves. We can't help God do it. So some other people say, like, no, I get that, but I want to help them. No, you can't help them. Because that spiritual, it's a spiritual issue, and we can't fix our own spiritual issue. The Bible says that we're spiritually dead. So a dead person can't do anything. A spiritually dead person can't do anything spiritual. So we can't even help them. And so what happens? What happens is God does the work because He's the only one who can do the work. Because He's God. He's all-powerful. So the very God who would judge us for our sin, knows that he's the only one who can do anything about it, so he does what needs to be done, and then it's our, our responsibility to accept it and say, I, you know, I want that. I want you to be the God of my life and protect, for, protect me and provide for me and fight for me here on this earth and then take me to heaven one day when I die. And so salvation is for all people. It's possible for all people, but it only comes through Jesus Christ and this eunuch understood that, and he, along with other people who had gone from Jerusalem down to Africa, brought that message to them and throughout the rest of the world. So they did that because Jesus commanded something in Matthew chapter 28. So before Jesus returned to heaven after rising from the dead, after dying for our sins, he's talking to his disciples, and it also carries over to us today. And he says this, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations. Now, if you've been attending Grace Point for any length of time, this is very familiar, because this is our mission. This is what we're all about. This is why we do what we do. So, make disciples, followers of Jesus, of all nations, which Christianity has done a pretty good job of that, right? Pretty evenly spaced throughout the, the world. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the edge of the age. And so, uh, not only do we baptize, but we also teach, which is one of the reasons why we get together as a church, so we can be taught and learn from God what the Bible says about things. Because around here, um, we, we want to know what the Bible says. And so it's my responsibility as a pastor, and also your responsibility, to be studying the Bible, reading it, and knowing what God says about issues. Not what I think God says about the issues, or not what other people think God says about the issues, but what does God say about the issues? And we can understand that. If we study and read, God will teach us those things. And we need to be ready to learn from Him. But, so what does He mean by baptism? Because again, there's a lot of different um, ideas out there about what baptism is. 
And so we want to see what does the Bible say using the Bible's words, even going into the Greek. Some of you guys are going to walk out here, Greek scholars. You're welcome. <laughs> it's free. You know, unless you gave me the offering, then I guess you paid a little bit of a tuition. But so, oh my no, my dad, growing up, my dad, I asked my dad, you know, why do we give in the offering? We had an offering plate, you know. He said, well, one, because God says if you're a follower of mine, then you need to give to your church family so your church family can do the things it needs to do. But then he also said, you know, we pay for our education, so it's kind of like a tuition payment because I'm learning a lot at church. I'm like, wow, that's, that's stuck with me ever since I was, you know, 50 years old. So, um, <laughs> anyways, so uh, I'm 52. So if some of you didn't get that really good joke, I'm 52, is two years ago, haha. Oh, you guys are gracious. Anyway, so the meaning of baptism. Evidently, it's something that somebody does after they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Okay? Um, the eunuch demonstrated that. And if you look throughout Scripture, that's what it's always saying. It's something we do after we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Philip, as the verses tell, tell us, talked about Jesus, showed this guy from Isaiah 53, which, by the way, was written 700 years before Jesus Christ ever showed up, how that all these different things in the Old Testament lined up, and that when Jesus Christ showed up on that one Christmas morning, and then lived this perfect life, and then died on the cross, and then rose again, how the Old Testament taught all of that, and that Jesus Christ was our Savior. And so this guy got it, right? And he says, whoa, there's water. So what's holding, what's holding me back from putting, you know, because he's already said, right? He already said that Jesus is the Son of God. So he, he gets it. He got the message. And so now after declaring that, he says, what's holding me back from being baptized? And Philip double-checked. Yeah, you believe that Jesus is God? And of course, with that being the Savior and all that, because again, we kind of read into it, what he would have taught him. And he he says, all right, let's go, let's do this. So let's go down to the water. Now we're not to the exact actual what did they do at the water, but it is something that somebody does after they've placed their faith in Christ for salvation. It's not for salvation. It's not helping with salvation. It's after the salvation experience takes place that it happens. Ultimately, it's symbolic. So, it's an outward expression of God's work, what He's done in us spiritually. So, out of Romans chapter 6, Paul explains to us what God has done in us, spiritually speaking. And he uses the word baptism. Alright? So, it's pretty cool. Go ahead. So, Paul says, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we, who died to sin, still live in it? Now, when do we die to sin? At that moment in time in our, in our lives where we say, God, forgive me of my sin. And I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. At that moment, we have now died to sin. It's forgiven. It's gone. And we are going to determine from this point until we get to heaven that we're going to do, what, do life God's way, learn how to do life God's way, so that we don't do it our way. Our way is sin. And we struggle with that for our entire lives. And that's okay, in a sense, as long as we're becoming more and more like Christ, because that's the goal. If you read in Romans 8, that's the goal of, that God has for us, that we become more and more like Christ. Well, going through difficult times, 
For those who are into sports, right, you, you are put through difficult times in your sports life to become a better athlete. Well, God wants to become a better follower of Christ, and so we go through difficult times. And so, again, so after we've placed our faith in Christ, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, a spiritual, um, I don't want to give you, I don't want to give it away, uh, a spiritual baptism in, in, into Christ, have been baptized into His death. So God sees us when we place our faith in Christ, and we say, "God, forgive me my sins." God says, "It's as if you've hung on the cross and gone to hell, because Jesus did that for you." He's done the work, so then he applies it to your account, is another way the Bible puts it. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. Not water baptism, spiritual baptism. The Holy Spirit who's been poured out into us, Titus talked about. So as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And so there's this idea of, of baptism. What God has done in our lives, spiritually speaking, we are now going to demonstrate that once we've experienced salvation. We're going to demonstrate that to everybody else. And we're going to do it by, the first step is by being baptized with water. Then after that, the next step is you living life God's way so people see a difference and go like, why are you living that way? And you can say, well, you know, I'm trying to do life God's way now because I'm a, I'm a child of God. I've put my faith in Christ. He saved me. So I'm trying to do life His way, and God's blessed because of that, and boom, 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 and next thing you know, they're like, hey, I'd love to have that in my life. And then we can tell them about who Jesus Christ is, and they can understand sin, and they can give their life to Christ and be saved and have a relationship with Him. So when we show, when we place our faith in Him, we show everyone in our lives, starting with baptism. So that's the why of baptism. So what's the how? What does it mean when the Bible says to be baptized in water, what's that look like? Again, there's a lot of different definitions, but we want to go to what Scripture says. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible in the New Testament was written in Greek, ancient Greek, not current day Greek. So we want to know what does the Greek word mean and what did the people back then understand the Greek word to mean? And then we apply it to our lives. So in Greek, whether it was a secular, non-religious writer, or a Christian writer, Paul, Peter, if they wanted to talk about immersing somebody into water, dunking them, as I say, to use the present-day vernacular, you know, dunk them in the water, they would use the word baptizo. Now, it's a transliteration into English, so we say baptize. Okay? So, but you can go to so, like, if you're at, um, so if you're like at, at work, all right, and, and you've got some coffee and you've got a little piece of donut, because you're, you're genteel, right? You don't eat the whole donut, you take a little piece, right? And, and so then somebody, um, a friend of yours has the coffee and they have the donut, and they put it in the, it's, oh, did you just baptizo that? Huh? I mean, people would be like, whoa, you know Greek? You'd be like, yeah. Just try to bring it to your guys, you know, where you guys live, you know. I don't eat donuts or drink coffee. I... And God forgives lies. So, all right. 
So baptizo means to immerse or to dip under. Right, I gotta get back to this. I gotta get back to this. Now, if a secular or non-religious person wanted to say that it sprinkled something, or if a Christian author wanted to write that it sprinkled something, he would have used this word, rantizo. So if you were outside in the rain, you came rocking, oh, oh boy, I've been rantizoed. <laughs> this is a tough crowd. We, we better get to the baptisms. So, so it's a different word. And some of you would be like, wow, that's kind of simple. Yeah, I mean, it's a different word, rantizo. If you want to sprinkle. So some people say, well, baptism is, oh, I was, I was baptized when I was a kid. I was sprinkled. Well, the, the problem with that, and again, I don't want to offend anybody, but the problem with that is when the Bible talks about being baptized, it always uses, baptism, when it comes to salvation, always uses baptizo, never uses rantizo. Okay? So, and the Bible never teaches that children should be sprinkled. Man has taught that, but God has never taught that. Now, some of you might, I might be rocking your world, so just let that, you know, kind of swim around in your head. We could talk more about it after the service if you like, but point is, the Bible says, after you've placed your faith in Christ, you are to be baptizoed, you're to be fully immersed in water, and then come back out. You know, we don't leave you there. Come back out, and that's baptism. So that's what we do here at Grace Point because we want to do life God's way, how God says to do it. So here, uh, some churches, like when I was a kid, when I was baptized, uh, I was 18 years old when I got baptized, I was baptized one time forward, but I was put into the water, okay, and then came back out. Some people have been baptized one time straight down, so they're under the water. And other people, the way we do it here, again, this is just kind of a traditional thing that we do, we do three times forward, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Again, the key is that you're baptized, fully immersed in the water. How it actually gets done, not that huge of a deal, okay? Uh, we just happen to do it three times forward. I appreciate it. I've had two back surgeries. I've thrown my back out, um, baptizing people backwards. So I prefer the front way. It's a lot easier on me. I know it's all about me, but it is true. So, we're going to do a little pop quiz this morning. So if you have your notes, okay, um, you can pull your notes out. There's a pop quiz in there, true and false. I bet you didn't think you are going to be doing a test when you came to church, but you get to. And, and I got some... Um, true-false questions. I want to see if I did a good job teaching this morning. All right? Then I can send this down to Fremont with however many people got the answer right. No, so first one is this. Don't yell it out. Just <laughs> circle your paper. Um, you, know, you always got one in the classroom. Oh, I know what that one is! You know? so this, easy. Baptism is for salvation. True or false? Don't yell it out. Just circle which one you think it is. Yeah, Hagen's in the back. Oh, Dad, I got that one. You're not getting any candy after church like you did when you were a kid for behaving in church. So, um, anyways, true or false? The answer is false. So, Isaiah 64 6, um, a few chapters later, after what the 
uh, Africa, uh, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch had been reading. It says this, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and those were, were sinful in front of God. And all of our righteous deeds, so this is from God's perspective. So we're all unclean, we're all sinful, all of our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. Now I won't get into the description of what that means in Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> somebody knows. Um, I don't want to embarrass me. You know? So, um, yeah. It's not a pretty sight. So, but just know this, that it's not something that God, it means that it's, it's unclean. It's sinful. I've got to be careful how I say that because what it's talking about is not saying that it's sinful. Anyways, I think you can figure that out. The point of it is this, and I've talked about this before, that if, if me doing something good or my motivation for doing something good, even if it's a religious duty, like baptism, if I think that if I get baptized, that's going to get me to heaven, my motivation for getting baptized is selfish. It's me wanting to get to heaven. Or if I were to do something nice for some of you, because I think if I'm nice to people, that being nice to them will get me to heaven, that's not love, that's selfishness. And so selfishness is a sin. So therefore, our good deeds, if we're using it as a motivation to get right with God, to get to heaven, is motivated by selfishness. Selfishness is sin. But if God saves us, if God declares us right with Him, not guilty of our sin, now I get baptized, I'm not doing it for salvation, I'm doing it because I've been saved. If I help any of you out, I'm not doing it to get to heaven, I'm doing it because I love you. i got nothing writing on it. I just want you to know that you're loved, that you're cared for, and then maybe you'll talk to me and say, man, why would you do that? And then I can tell you about who Jesus Christ is. And so it's nothing about it's not about me, it's about you and God. Or me and God in the sense of being just obedient, like any child would want to be to a good father or mother. Man, we want to be obedient. I mean, not that we always are obedient, I'm just saying. All right, next one. Baptism is being sprinkled. True or false? Answer? False. Hey. Don't help everybody out. You're cheating. So again, baptize, baptizo, to immerse, dip under. That's what the Bible says. If they wanted to use sprinkle, they would have used a different word. All right, next one. Baptism will increase my spiritual strength. Now, I didn't actually direct, I didn't talk about this, but let me explain this real quickly. So some people would say, well, you know, I, I accepted the Lord, but man, I'm really struggling in my life right now. And so maybe if I get baptized, you know, that'll kind of get me over the top and I'll be super Christian, right? It's not what baptism is for. Um, that's not how you become super Christian, um, where you can wear a, you know, an SC on your chest. Um, that comes through time with God in His Word. So, Jesus said this in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So he's talking to those who have placed their faith in Christ. He who abides in me. That word abide means to plant yourself next to dwell with, hang out with, be around all the time. And I in Him. So if I do that, if I plant myself next to Jesus, 
he's going to, in effect, plant himself next to me, right? I mean, it makes sense. He, and he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to be spiritually confident, if you want to be spiritually strong, if you want to be somebody who looks at life and faces the difficulties of life that's going to be thrown at you, that God's going to allow into your life, if you want to do that confidently, you want to be spiritually strong, you, you only get that way by spending time in the Bible, reading it, studying it, knowing it, talking to God about it, pulling out maybe even some resources to help you understand these different words and different concepts that it's teaching you, and then going, okay, Lord, I know what your word says about living life, but now I'm going to live life your way. I'm going to, I'm going to take that scary step and do life the way you want me to do it, even though it's scary. And then some people might make fun of me. And so people will say it to me, and I say, I know, I get it. They made fun of me too, but they hung Jesus on the cross. So I think we can handle a little bit of a ha-ha, funny, funny, yo, you think you're a religious person. That's fine. They put Jesus on the cross, right? So we can take it, and then we just live it, because then God's going to use that. And so we don't get stronger by being baptized. It's just our first step of obedience to do life the way God says to do it. And publicly proclaiming, hey, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. So, yeah, so false. You need time in the Word. You need to be a part of a church family. We've talked about this. Be a part of our Bible studies. Be here on Sunday mornings on a regular basis. We talk about a lot of good stuff here. It's going to help you in your life. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll be totally honest with you guys. I said next time I got back into being a pastor, because I had a few years off, um, that I was going to be real honest with people. And I have to be honest with you. When I sit down and I talk to a Christian person, and, and they're telling me about how frustrated they are with life, and they're not, they're not sure with what's going on in their life and all kinds of stuff, and then I ask, well, have you been spending a lot of time in God's Word? No, not really. Well, you know, I haven't seen you in church for a while. You know, we just got done talking about all of those things. <laughs> Literally, the last five weeks, we just talked about them. You, no, no, I had things to do. It couldn't be there. I can't help with that. I can't, I can't help you. I wish I could, but I can't. I can only keep pointing you back to do it, do it God's way. And then I'll help you do it God's way. I'll teach you. Christians, we've got we to gotta do what God says if we want to do the life, do life God's way. Well, what's our takeaway from today? Well, I'm going to use one more true-false question for you. And that's this. So here's our takeaway. Christians don't need to get baptized. True or false? Christians don't need, slightly, um, you know, maybe a trick question. They don't need to get baptized. Well, let me put it this way. You don't need to get baptized to be saved. Okay? Because baptism can't save you. We've learned that. But here's the deal. If the God of the universe made sure that you were born and prior to you being born put on flesh, lived this life perfectly, then died on the cross for your imperfection, went to hell for you, died your eternal death. This is what you believe if you're a Christian this morning. You say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm just relating to you what the Bible says a Christian is. So if you're sitting here going, I'm a Christian, but I don't really, I don't really catch what you... Then I, according to what the Bible says, you're not a Christian. Because this is what the Bible says a Christian is. 
And, and it, when you realize, wow, Jesus took my place in hell for my sin, and God's offering me forgiveness? When that person, I did it when I was four years old. Other people have done it later in life. Other people have done it here in the last couple of weeks, which is awesome. When that person says, I believe Jesus did that, they say, God, please forgive me my sin. And I believe you when you say Jesus died for my sin. And when it happens, God says, according to the Bible, we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. 1 John 1 9. That's just one of the verses. God forgives us of our sins. He places God the Holy Spirit into our lives, who is our guarantee for power and strength and all that we need to do life God's way and it takes us to heaven one day. So if you're sitting here this morning and you believe that, and then Jesus says, hey, listen, I, just, I want you to take one, one step of obedience for me, not for salvation, but because you're saved, and, and I want you just to go dip underwater three times, because that's the way we do it here. Just dip underwater. Harold will be gentle. He won't shove your head underwater or keep you there real long. Unless I get paid to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I got a weak thank you over here. Thank you, Pastor. So then I guess the question is, well, why won't you? What's holding you back? Jesus went to the cross for you and then rose from the dead for you. I mean, and he just says, hey, step of obedience, just proclaim that to other people. Let other people know you've made a decision. I am guarantee you, there's nobody sitting in this room who, who, does, who gets baptized, nobody's sitting out here watching It's going to go, <laughs> I can't believe it! You know? No, we're all here. This is exciting. This is awesome. This is, praise the Lord, this is good stuff, right? Now, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, that's your first step. You need to place your faith in Christ. And it's a simple prayer. It's just simply saying, God, forgive me of my sin, and I believe Jesus died on the cross. You don't have to know everything else that goes along with that for now. Just focus on that. Forgive me of my sin, and I'm trusting that Christ and Christ alone, He died for my sin. Would you please forgive me? And God says He'll forgive you. And He'll place His Holy Spirit in your life. And he will be there for you every day of your life and then take you to heaven one day. It's a simple prayer. If you are a Christian and you haven't been baptized, again, if you've been baptized one time, you know, fine. We, again, we just do it a little different here. But if you haven't been baptized, then you need to take that step of obedience. It's just, it's not painful. None of, I don't, don't yell when you go under the water, okay? That's all I need. It's not painful, Donna's like, <laughs> Help me! You know, well, we're going to go ahead and have baptism. So I, I'm going to have those that are getting baptized come on up. I've told them where to position themselves. And I think 